Uh, we're going to be looking at Joshua 8 and Joshua chapter 9 uh, this evening, just to remind you that next week uh, we'll be meeting for Focus, our, our bi-monthly uh, event uh, for those uh, senior sits, an outreach opportunity. So that's at 4 o'clock, so if you turn up here at 6, you'll be just in time to finish up the washing up, but that'll be about it. So hopefully you'll uh, be able to remember that and uh, we can uh, see you at that earlier time. But Joshua chapter 8, beginning at verse 1, because we're looking at two chapters, are going to select uh, verses, but by all means, have a read of some of the uh, uh, the blood and guts that are there in between the uh, parts, so that we don't necessarily read all of this because of time. But chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Joshua... Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Except that this time you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully, you are to set an ambush behind the city. Don't go very far from it. All of you be on the alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city and then when the men come come out against us as they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city and they will say, they're running away from us as they did before. So when we flee from them, you are to rise up from ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you've taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you have my orders. Then Joshua set them off and they went to the place of ambush and lay in wait between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent that night with the people. Verse 15. Joshua and all Israel let themselves be driven back before them and they fled towards the desert. All the men of Ai were called to pursue them and they pursued Joshua and they were indeed lured away from the city. Not a man remained in Ai or Bethel who did not go after Israel. They left the city open and wait in pursuit of Israel. Then the Lord said to Joshua, hold out towards Ai the javelin that is in your hand for into your hand I will deliver the city. So Joshua held out his javelin towards Ai and As soon as he did this, the men in the ambush rose quickly from their position and rushed forwards. They entered the city and captured it and quickly set it on fire. The men of Ai looked back and saw that the smoke of the city was rising against the sky. And they had no chance to escape in any direction. For the Israelites who had been fleeing towards the desert had turned back against their pursuers. For when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that smoke was going up from the city, they turned round and attacked the men of Ai. The men of the ambush also came out of the city against them, so that they were caught in the middle with Israelites on both sides. Israel cut them down, leaving them neither survivors nor fugitives." Verse 27. But Israel this time did carry off for themselves the livestock and plunder of this city, as the Lord had indeed instructed Joshua. Moving on to verse 34 and 35, just after they'd made a covenant that was renewed at Mount Abel. 
Afterwards, Joshua read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curses, just as it is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all. Uh, there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel, including the women and children and the aliens who lived among them. Chapter nine. Now, when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, those in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the great sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, they came together to make war against Joshua and Israel. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resorted to a ruse. They went as a delegation as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wineskins, cracked and mended. The men put worn and patched sandals on their feet and worn-out old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and mouldy. They went to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal and said to him and the men of Israel, We've come from a distant country. Make a treaty with us. The men of Israel said to the Hivites, But perhaps you live near us. How then can we make a treaty with you? We are your servants, they said to Joshua. But Joshua asked, Who are you and where do you come from? They answered, Your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we've heard reports of him, all indeed that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites and east of the Jordan. Shishon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashrototh. Verse 14. The men, men of Israel sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a, a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. Three days later... After they had made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were in fact neighbours living near them. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came to the cities Gibeon, Kerephah, Beroth and Kiriath-Jerahim. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. But all the leaders answered, we've given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. Verse 22. So then Joshua summoned the Gibeonites and said, why did you deceive us by saying we live a long way from you, while actually you live indeed near us? You are now under a curse. You will never cease to serve as woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. Well, there's a lot uh, in those chapters. And one of the things that you discover as you go through uh, the book of, of Joshua, and probably, if we're honest, the, the book of Judges, if you are going to read that, even more so, we see the successes of God's people. Everything goes right. Yes, aren't we amazing? And then maybe a little bit of complacency fits in, or we forget maybe, or the people forgot uh, what God had done in the past, when in their own strength, didn't inquire of the Lord. We had that there tonight. And then there's the warnings of God. 
God, but no, that doesn't get uh, taken heed of, and then God's people fall. There's then this cyclical uh, occurrence of then God's people being judged, and then, of course, God's forgiveness, and then round we go again, circle after circle after circle. First it's okay, then not, and then uh, God humbles them. And, of course, the only thing, as somebody once said that I shared this morning that we learn from church history, is that we don't learn (laughs) from church history. I wonder if you've ever um, felt that sense of, yes, conquered it. Ah, fallen, error, made a mistake, sorry God. And then that sense of the touch of the Lord, dusting us down, setting us back on our feet. Yes, thank you God. Your amazing forgiveness and grace is there for me. And we feel as high as a kite. Right, I'm going to never do that again. Ah, and then all, and very often things can go round and round. Maybe you can look back over your Christian life and see there may be times where, where God has spoken very often of, a, of somebody who's new to faith. There's a, a sense of God's invasion in a person's life and there's immediate change in a number of areas that never recur. And yet, alongside that are other areas where, if we're honest, we know we continue to struggle with that, that tug-of-war battle with the people and individuals that we want to be and somehow bits that come to the surface that seem to rear their ugly head from time to time. People uh, sometimes reflect it as being the same as a sort of like a little bit of a physical uh, ailment that you can sometimes have. When I was, uh, I think, 12 or 13 it was, little uh, little kind of weakness I had in my in my back, which was very painful. I had a number of months off of sport, and although that's all okay now, every now and then there's just a little tiny tweak, and I know to the nearest two millimeters I can put a finger on that spot in my back where that weakness is. You may well be able to identify with that physically, but spiritually, isn't it true? Of course, we're we're quite good at spotting the wrongs of other people. And what they ought to do to put things right. And oh dear, oh dear, as a believer and as a member of Dorchester Community Church Day, when we simply sin in a different way. Well, that's something of maybe the background as to what is going on here with God's people and the journey of Joshua and the people then. I don't know what you felt when you uh, first read these chapters or uh, if you, as you were listening to the chapters be read, but it's pretty barbaric when you think about God's judgment over an, an entire group of people. Wiped out, decimated. The whole city burned. All the people burned. Men, women, children. And we think, oh. And maybe the question from time to time that from the outside looking in that we can ask be asked is well you talk about a god of love how can a god of love do all that to uh, innocent people how can um, maybe the atheist or non-christian say that god is harsh brutal or evil when they deny the very book that actually defines what it means to be harsh brutal or evil moreover Maybe we can establish that even further an atheistic, materialistic worldview, such things can't really be right or wrong because it's down to God to discern what is right or wrong. If there is no God, well, actually, the same people group accusing us of, well, how do you make out this? 
God being a God of love if he do, does all that bad? Well, if there is no God, they have no absolute truth to know what, what is right or what is wrong anyway. Ah, but it's all a sense of people being moral, you may well hear. What does that mean? There's only one way about what we, how we know what, what it means to be moral or not. And that is by placing it against what scripture teaches. If you put scripture to one side, we otherwise have what? Your morality is maybe different to my morality. Let's take a trivial example. Nothing to do with a moral issue. Let's lighten it a little bit, just looking around. It may well be in your family or in your background situation, elbows on the table is was definitely out. It may well be in another sphere, culture or generation or family background. That's not a bad thing at all. Are we going to talk about what's right or wrong? How are we going to know? It's a preference, isn't it? It's the same over the moral issues that are debated in our land today. And of course, there's such huge conflict over that because the claim is, well, there's no such thing as absolute truth. So as long as your truth is all right for you, that's all right and my truth is all right for me. It doesn't really work, though, does it? Because even that statement is an absolute truth. We ought to be very grateful that we have God's word as a plumb line to know what it means to be right and what it means to go wrong. Yes, there might be bits that we might uh, have a different view on theologically, but in terms of moral issues or the bigness of what's going on here, it's not that difficult to see what right and wrong are all about. And if you want to know how innocent this people group were, have a read of Leviticus chapter 18. And you will be appalled at the sexual atrocities that were going on with that people group. They had God be patient. They'd had opportunity to repent of that, but no. And amidst all of that, child sacrifice as well. So this was no innocent people group at all. And there comes a time where God's patience runs out. And of course, in an eternal sense... It's absolutely right that we're aware of that and mindful of that, isn't it? For you and me and everybody out there, God's patient with his sinful world. It's going to run out. We have an opportunity in the here and now, don't we? To confess our sin. To call upon the name of Jesus, the one who is able to take that sin and wrongdoing away. Simply through our believing that what he's done on the cross, he's done indeed for us. It's by faith Paul said to the church at Ephesus that you are able to be saved not by works. Not about doing good things. None of us are going to ever do enough. So we then come to this passage that we may well have not liked the look of but this is God's word. I had a great conversation with somebody this morning who um, was here because they uh, had to bring someone else to church. Uh, they themselves are an atheist, I discovered on the door. <laughs> so this was a great conversation starter, killer, um, but they were actually quite positive about this. And they, they said they appreciated not skirting over what, as they were listening to this chapter being read, thought, wow, well, what's going to come out of that in the context of ourselves having just sung songs of a God of love? 
So we had to address this. We can't get the Tipex bottle out. We can't pick and choose. This is God's word, isn't it? So, with that in mind, that's just by way of background. We're going to have a a quick look at some of the, the bullet points that come through. The first thing that we get is this, I think, that there are times when God indeed speaks to us, aren't there? There are times when God speaks to us. Chapter 8 of Joshua. I don't know if that's God trying to get through now. If it is, then we better listen in, aren't we? Joshua chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged, take the whole army with you, go up and attack Ai. What had just occurred in the previous chapter? Well, in the previous chapter, remember this puny uh, little people group of AI that they thought they were going to just wipe out very easily. Actually, the whole thing backfired because God had not told them to do that. They were complacent. They went in their own strength and they were quite embarrassed. Now, all of a sudden, having just been sort of like knocked out by this people group and then God saying, right, go back against that same people group. It would be like maybe going into the boxing ring with somebody like Anthony Joshua or years ago, Muhammad Ali, if that's your generation, whatever it is, and completely getting knocked out in the first round. And then somebody having the audacity to say over tea, coffee or when actually the smelling salts had kicked in, right, I now want you to go back in the ring with the same person that's just knocked you out. (laughs) No. But this was what God said. And because God said do it, that was all Joshua needed to know i don't think it's any accident either that god spoke to joshua after what had occurred well if you flip back in chapter seven so distraught was joshua and we looked at this last week but just reminding ourselves that that sense in chapter seven verse uh, six and seven uh, onwards where you see there Joshua and indeed all the leaders of Israel that sense of of repentant spirit contrite heart tearing their clothes falling face down staying there until evening they shoved dust on their heads as well they were in a bad place having let God down and it's in that sense of humility remember the New Testament speaks of if we humble ourselves before the Lord the Lord will do what he will lift us up we puff ourselves up what is going to happen probably god's going to let us go bang banana skin and that can't be very pleasant at times but or isn't very pleasant at times i know it but sometimes it's there for our own good as god continues to mold us and to shape us there was something about the right place that then joshua and the leaders of the nation were in to be able to hear God's word by your coming here this evening don't give yourselves too much of a pat on the back but you've deliberately placed yourselves in an opportunity where you're going to hear the word of God it's been read and to the best of my knowledge I'm going to try to unpack that so we're in a place where we're more likely to hear sometimes we choose to not be in that place maybe we're thinking I don't feel like coming tonight I don't feel like reading this book or I don't feel like listening in online or whatever else it may well be where there have been those opportunities to hear and to uh, receive. I spoke with uh, uh, with somebody who's not been in church and they're not not a part of of the church but kind of like just re-going through. They're taking stock spiritually which is a wonderful thing that they're doing. They very honestly were saying, still believe 
don't read this book anymore. Not actually been to church years. But they're seeing their own being in and around here. Maybe, just maybe, this is opportunity for a fresh start. Well, one of my encouragements to them or to others would be seek to put ourselves in a place where we're most likely to hear. And often that's tough, isn't it? If we don't feel as if we're receiving or getting anything out of what maybe we have done from time to time. Joshua had done this, so that was good. Sometimes we just need to wait and trust that that time will come when his word will suddenly kick start, uh, start again for us. And it's a matter of an act of the will, thinking it's God's day or we broaden it over our weekend. I'm going to ensure to the best of my ability I'm going to be amongst God's people over a weekend. If you can't come when you normally come, come someone else. Don't come because of whatever the reason is, because you can't make it Sunday evening or can't come that Sunday evening. What about that thing of stepping outside the box to see if I can venture forth on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning? Oh, it's not really my thing. So what? So what? Because very often what we're bringing forward is not a theological reason. It's our preference, isn't it? I don't really care if you prefer Saturday morning, Sunday night or Sunday morning. My concern is when believers make a doctrine out of what is nothing more than a preference. Each of those occasions when we meet as what we call church, there is worship, there is prayer, there's an opening of God's word, there's an opportunity for us to support and, and have fellowship one with another. All of those things is what makes up church. How we do that can be very, very different. Let's not get too carried away with what we're used to or most comfortable with ourselves. Do you know, I, are we allowed to say good things about the church? Is that all right? I'm going to just give a bit of a wave a flag for the church here because this is very unusual for a, um, a church to be able to hold three different ways of doing church together without us falling out over it. A lot of churches would either be what we do on Saturday morning or what we do on Sunday morning or what we do on a Sunday evening. Or there are different other ways. And I'm okay with all of that. It, it's quite a rare thing that I think we ought to be very, very grateful to God for that we're able to embrace each of those ways of doing church under a banner that we call Dorchester Community Church. Right, I'm going to press on because that's got nothing to do specifically with this passage, but maybe that's a word for you. If it is, great. Specific words we very often are needing, aren't we? And Joshua got a specific word here, so he dealt with it straight away. There are times when God speaks to us, and until that time comes, place yourself in the right place. Secondly, we need to learn from the past. Well, Joshua had learned from the past. He'd been advised wrongly by his advisors in the chapter that we looked at at, uh, last week. Oh, people of Ai, nothing at all. Just send two or three thousand out against them. That'll be absolutely fine. It'd be a bit like, uh, if, you know, if you're into football, forgive the, uh, uh, the football analogy here, but in a, a recent cup competition, uh, Tottenham Hotspur were playing Colchester. <laughs> Tottenham are up here, somebody knows the result, and Colchester are right the way down here, in several divisions lower. To rest all the star players, because, well, we're going to beat them anyway. 
Tottenham fielded a completely different team and they lost. Of course, all the back pages are filled with this embarrassment of Tottenham losing to Weenie Colchester. Well, they would have to learn from that the next time. Well, Joshua has learned from the mistakes. So this time, when it's God that's saying, I'm giving you victory, but you take the whole army. That's what verse 1 says in chapter 8. And don't worry about we've only got to verse 1. It's okay. We'll whiffle through some of the other stuff quite quickly. But he did just that. 30,000 men. And it struck me yesterday as well. This pattern that we see of them having sought to get right with God. And then God speaks. The leaders then obey. Joshua then in verses 3 to 9. Kind of... Having given thought, I'm, I'm sure, with his team, then presents, right, this is the way we're going to do that. So they have to give some thought to that. That sense of um, listening to God, but then thinking through, how are we going to do this? And as they do that, we then read in a couple of the verses, I've not cited where they are, certainly it's in verse 1, but it's a little bit further down um, as well. I'll see if I can find it as we go through. Where on two occasions, we read about it's the whole army that then joins in, in seeking to respond to what God has said. And it struck me yesterday, we were talking about this in Cafe Church, uh, Chris, weren't we, about when God speaks to his people, and we've heard that sense of what God is saying. What we then need is the whole army to say, count me in, count me in. We can only really make a difference as a whole army, not little bits and pieces of it, not even the majority of it. There was the whole army that were on board uh, with that uh, then. Verse 11 it is, in my uh, Bible here, the translation says the the entire force. You may well have it uh, repeated about the whole army that was with Joshua then marched up and approached the city. Joshua had learned from the past, and indeed that's very important. We then see as well about the wisdom of of planning and listening, and we thought a little bit about that uh, this morning. You can see verses 3 to 9, how that was true. I don't really want to talk anything about that at this evening. But I do want us to talk, uh, touch on briefly about the importance of ourselves, even then, whilst we're doing the stuff in battle, as Joshua and his team and his army uh, um, was going about what they were going about in, in battle, and replace that with spiritual battle ministry or whatever the picture is, we then need to be open to what God's specific word is. Because right in the midst of that battle, He's then encouraged to take hold of this javelin and wave it around and point it in a particular direction. And you would have thought he would have been otherwise occupied, wouldn't you? Get his shield up or making sure he's hiding or whatever it may well be. But no, he's still, amidst the battle going on, open to a specific word from God to come. And let's hope that some of the stuff, the bits and pieces that are not down here on my notes are in line with that. It's so important that we seek God, that we pray, and then we, we try and put something across. But then it may well be that God speaks into the mix. What about in a situation that you've sought God over and you felt that God has spoken to you? And then you're trying to put that into practice and to, to, to respond to God in a right way and in a prayerful way. But even as you're doing that and you've worked all this through, suddenly there's that touch of the Lord again that gives you a specific word. Oh, but I've got all my notes down now, Lord. I've got all my plan about what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. If God speaks into the mix, 
Sometimes it's just a shift of direction. It may well have been when he spoke to us way back here. That got us going. But in us going, getting going and thinking we're going in that direction, when we get to here, he says, right, now I want you to go over there. But what about, no, now I'm speaking to you again. Go over there. It's really important, that, isn't it? But had God said over there, when we were back there, we'd probably say, no. <laughs> it took maybe one word and then another. Sometimes God speaks in that, ways, in that way as well. It's interesting about verse 27. Israel did carry off for themselves the livestock and the plunder of this city, as the Lord had instructed uh, Joshua. Was that right? Well, if you go back uh, to verse 2, we read there, You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and the kingdom, except that this time you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Before, they were told not to. But Achan ignored that and did exactly the opposite. And that was what brought God's judgment upon them as a people. That sin in the camp that needed to be rooted out. Why come something is right one time and not right at another time? Isn't that a clear contradiction? No, it's not. God may well say to you on, on one time, I want you to go over there. <laughs> another day he may well say, I want you to go over there. There are some things that it's not a matter of whether they're right or wrong per se. So much as God's timing. And if God had said previously, it's not right to take the plunder, then that's what God's people needed to have heard, adhered to. But times change. And things do change where we need to be open to what God are you saying in the present. And it may well be then that God is saying... Now it's okay. I came to the church in 2004. Uh, how many people were here before 2004? Okay, so David, Dave and Joy, keep your hands up a minute. I'm not going to embarrass you, it's all right. Thelma, uh, Chris, Chris and Ian. Now these guys may well have been aware. Around about 2001, 2002, the church was thinking about needing a new building, the old building not being um, appropriate. What about moving elsewhere, uh, elsewhere? And the trustees then looked at Pangbury. The advice that somebody who was a solicitor gave the church trustees back then, 2001, 2002, was this. Don't touch it with a barge pole. I think they were absolutely right in 2001. There was different rules in place. Oh, this has been recorded. <laughs> Let's hope that the right people don't uh, yeah, listen to this. Because Pangbury has changed. There's been a shift of receptivity towards a church as opposed to nothing or maybe something of interfaith and then ourselves. What wasn't right then was only a matter of timing. It didn't mean to say that it wasn't right for all time. But then when there's a, an invitation that's come, actually God spoke in a very different way to the church then. Timing was so important. What is God saying to you and to me in the now? Maybe God has said something to you that you've held on to as being something that was a forever and a day. It may well not have been. What about reflecting on that this week and giving something like that afresh to the Lord saying was that a forever to do that or not do that or was that a timing thing is there something into the present that your word may well be a little bit uh, different
Let's move on to chapter 9 very briefly as we touch on a a few things uh, there. Where we see the initial response uh, of uh, people that were in the surrounding uh, nations where they immediately want to attack. When all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, they came together to make war against Joshua and Israel. Israel that... uh, equates to being God's people and in the New Testament our understanding of the new Israel of God's people is the church expect opposition if God is at work God was at work here so they were to expect opposition we've known something of that uh, opposition over the years sometimes opposition of course can come from within but let's stick to the context here where there's the opposition from outside Well, there's different means of opposition uh, that we've gone through in our own journey to coming here. Some of that's been quite difficult to respond to when we've been labelled elsewhere locally as being a cult. How do we respond to that? Where we've been labelled as being anti-alcohol, so how can we be open to the whole community? Where we've been labelled as being homophobic. How are we able to respond in an honest but positive way to this Wonderful community of people that we're seeking to reach. That's a sense of the persecution, isn't it? Where people are saying kind of things against us without really giving us a voice or an opportunity to have conversation. And we've had some of those uh, conversations over uh, recent weeks and some of you know we had a few town councillors recently that spoke to us and they said, can we just say, you, and they mean the church, have completely changed the mindset of the people of Pranby about who you are and what you're here for. Staggering um, response, in one sense, testimony to God and his grace and his work through you as his people. And it would be completely selfish of me to keep that to myself because the you that was being referred to was the church. Simply through God's people being his people. Long may that continue, that there's that uh, trickling out of who we are about and here for and what we're about. But we ought to nonetheless still be on our guard and expect opposition. Verse 14, as we shift uh, onwards, where there was that cunning plan that they uh, came up with. Verse 14, we then get the men of Israel sampled their uh, provisions. This is these people that had come from afar where they had this kind of like made-up story to make it look as if they travelled from Ages and ages and ages, miles away. So all their food and their clothing were all gone off and and worn out. The men of Israel sampled their provisions as if they were kind of like trying to discern. But there's one of those buts that's this time not a healthy but. But they did not inquire of the Lord. Here we go again. Weren't we here before? Only about a week ago, wasn't it? They did not inquire of the Lord it's right when we evaluate something isn't it that we inquire of God maybe you've heard something maybe you've seen something maybe you've read something and we can quickly have an opinion about what that may well be invite God in to give you his discernment on it about what might be a right way to respond first Here they looked at the physical evidence before them and they made a judgment that was sincerely wrong, wasn't it? Because they just looked at things with their eyes. They didn't ask God for his measure of discernment. Verse 15. 
Each time we make a key uh, decision, instead of looking at the bits on the surface, what is it that God is saying to us? Maybe with an arrow prayer, uh, that's a good thing that we can build in as a part of our daily life. And then we see about the conflict that there is, uh, that ensues. Verses 18 and 19, just a couple of verses there. The Israelites did not attack them. Well, why? Well, they got sucked in wrongly. But once they made a vow, once they made this promise before God, they had to honour that promise. That was something that was absolutely paramount for them. Well, of course, the leaders were there with egg on their faces because the rest of God's people, when they found out exactly what had gone on, weren't exactly very happy. The Israelites didn't attack them because the leaders of the assembly, that's it, if in doubt, blame the leaders, uh, had sworn an oath to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. But the leaders answered, well, we can't do anything about that now. We've given them an oath by the Lord, the God of Israel. We cannot touch them now at all. Important how we kind of deal with that sense of conflict, isn't it? That conflict that could have been nipped in the bud or dealt with so easily had they firstly sought God. about, Is this right? Is what has been said to us right? And if so, what is the right way for us to then deal and respond about this? But they didn't do that. They just didn't do that. They leapt ahead. And so as a result, then the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. And that is a very difficult thing to then uh, respond to. Here's a phrase I hear every now and then. <laughs> I think you need to know that a number of, there are a number of people who are not very happy about a number of things. <laughs> what people, what things. I could actually replace that phrase as the person that in question may well be saying that to me and saying, in actual fact, you are not very happy about something, but you're not willing to be that honest about what that is. You're wanting to gather a little bit more momentum and strength to actually have weight to your opinion by all these people. It may well be that there are individuals that are not happy with certain things. That's okay. There's always going to be things like that, isn't there? Unless... We're part of the perfect church. Well, maybe this was the perfect church until I arrived in 2004. But bad luck since 2004 because I'm not. So we're not in the perfect church. And you know what I'm saying in that. It's how we seek to respond to those things that are troubling us. Something uh, this week, uh, somebody contacted. We won't say who because they're a part of the church. But I completely take my hat off to them. Uh, They'd actually misunderstood um, uh, something anyway but they spoke directly to me really really troubled about something that they picked up did exactly the right thing and they have every reason to be concerned maybe a bit irate as well it took probably three minutes in a conversation oh, i wish everything was that easy that's not the case but this time it was why because it was nipped in the bud they did the honorable thing and we chatted and it was sorted out and they misunderstood something really important isn't it that we seek uh, to do that. Let me share another, uh, another illustration that came up this morning as well. Through not not uh, anything that um, uh, was a problem, but somebody just wanting clarification on something. If you've seen the, the welcome sheet, you'll see in a couple of weeks' time we've got a members meeting. We've uh, downloaded a few things that we're going to be talking about as a part of that uh, church um, members meeting. 
And one of the things is uh, proposing our being um, considering, well, not considering, but we're going to be proposing as leadership to the church about our re-entering, rejoining uh, churches together in Dorchester. Um, many of you won't be aware of the reasons why we pulled out, and that's not a conversation uh, for now. But as I was chatting with coffee uh, over coffee with someone, somebody was, they were very aware of what that debate and conversation was a number of years ago. But they're unaware, as the whole church is at the moment, of what's happened this year and recent months. There's been some quite dramatic changes in uh, churches together in terms of makeup of churches, but also in this opportunity that we've been given um, where we've heard that they were rethinking, uh, rewriting their constitution, which you could have previously driven a bus through. And it would have been very easy for any cult to link in with churches together, and there was nothing that churches together could do about it. That wasn't satisfactory. I take my hat off to those who currently have been overseeing churches together. They were very gracious towards us and some of the other evangelical churches. As we went through that constitution, they said, well, Here's some major things we would love to see included. You can't start from scratch. We need to start off with where we are. Here's some secondary things that, if at all possible, it would be great to reinstill in that constitution. And here's some bits preferential-wise, not that important, but little bugbears or niggles. It would be great if some of those things could be included. 95% of, of that wish list from all the evangelical churches in the town has been granted like that, by every other church in the town. And that's going to be voted on and agreed upon at their Churches Together AGM in October. For me, uh, having been a part of that journey, I'd say this is one of the most significant things that's happened in my 15 years in the town. Huge. You don't need to know all the bits and bobs of the boredom, but you can see that that, that difference from, this, from something 10 years ago, a decision made, and where we're at now. Oh, what's all that about? What's all that about? without being aware of the journey and leaping to conclusions based on just what we seemingly are looking at, like God's people did way back then, a bit dangerous. Great to be discerning. And we can find out what's what. And we'll be explaining this to members of the church in a couple of weeks' time uh, before we obviously vote on that. But um, there we go. I'm going to leave it there, I, I think, um, because our time has passed. There's all sorts uh, of things there, isn't there, in this um, passage do pray for us uh, as leaders i think uh, there were the, the leaders who made another mistake and obviously the people were then grumbling at them we don't get everything right do we david don't we? <laughs> no we don't not at all but of course with um david being here this evening as one of the elders if you have any complaints this evening <laughs> i would love you to go to talk to david <laughs> Actually, anything that you're unsure of or anything that is a bit of a niggle, I would warmly encourage dialogue, always. Just be gentle with us with how that's communicated. We're on the same side. We make mistakes. We would love you to pray for us that you inquire of the Lord on our behalf as we seek to do that as well. Sometimes we've not got that right. Sorry. We do try, but please, do pray with us and for us. Maybe Joshua and the other leaders thought as we sometimes have, if only we'd sought the Lord. No good playing the if only game when it's too late, is it? But we can make that, uh, that confession 
and that decision in the now. To say, God, would you grant us the wisdom and the awareness to be honest about God, would you just call call us up on that? What is it that you're saying? For whatever that agenda item might be, God hears the prayers of his people. We would cover that more than anything. Bless you. Let's pray together. God, we, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to heed its warning. We thank you for all the good things that occur when we seek your face and those times of victory that we know and we experience and we celebrate together. And we rejoice with those who rejoice. But we weep with those who weep. And sometimes we find ourselves weeping because we've blown it. We've made a mistake or mistakes. Please forgive us. As leaders, forgive us when we have not thought things through as well as we might have done. For when people's voices are seemingly unheard. For when people don't feel cared for. For when people feel ignored. For when something that was handled insensitively. God forgive us. Help us to be leaders and to be a people who seek to inquire of the Lord. We can't please all the people all the time. But your word declares, find out what pleases the Lord. Remind us of that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're listening to this online, may God grant you his grace and wisdom to act on what you've heard just now.